Well, hello there, grown-ups. Did you know that we depend on your generosity and support to keep making Bust or Trust? If you subscribe and support Bust or Trust on Patreon or Apple Podcasts, you'll get access to lots of lovely extras like weekly subscriber bonus episodes with extra evidence, ad-free listening and early access to all our episodes. More to come soon. To support Bust or Trust, just click subscribe in Apple Podcasts or visit patreon.com forward slash Bust or Trust podcast. Or for more information, visit our website at bustortrust.com. Can you unravel the world's greatest mysteries? Can you explain the unexplained and find the pieces to the most puzzling cases? Or do you want to make your own hanging gardens of Babylon, but you aren't sure which garden centre Nebuchadnezzar would have used? There's no proof the hanging gardens ever existed, Tiernan. Isn't there? Are you a myth buster? Or a myth truster? I'm Tiernan. And I'm Athena. Welcome to Bust or Trust. A kids' mystery podcast. And And we are the Busters or Trusters. We look into strange stories from around the world. No mystery is too big for us. Monsters, ghosts and all types of the unexplained. Like, why does my cat never come in when I call her? I didn't know you had a pet. No, I don't. Oh, wait, that explains it. Tiernan. We dive into all the evidence we can find and present all the facts, figures and testimonies. Then it's up to you, our chief detective. You'll work out what it all means and make up your own mind. Is our case otherworldly or just people acting absurdly? Hmm. Are you a mythbuster like me? Because things aren't always what they seem. Or are you a myth truster like me? Because the supernatural is just an unknown type of science. Uh, how do you know that? Uh, I don't know. Ah, exactly. We'll tell you at the end of the show just how to get in touch, and you can let us know if you're on Team Buster or the best one, Team Truster. We'll also hear from you, our chief detectives, and your thoughts on the previous cases, so stay tuned. But until then, make sure you take notes, pay attention to all the information, and start putting together your case. The case. Oh, hello. Who's the special guest this week, Athena? Uh, I'm always a special guest. What are you talking about, Tiernan? Oh, that's weird. I thought I saw someone else here with us that was helping to guide us through this week's case. That is very strange. That is very strange indeed, as it's definitely just us two once again bringing a new mystery for our chief detectives. Oh, well, that's a shame. I guess I'll have to eat these tasty biscuits all by myself then. Um, I'm still here. Oh yeah, sorry. What's the case this week, Athena? This week, we are looking at the phenomenon of the third person factor. Ah, how funny. That's what our guest said too. Who? Can you tell our chief detectives more about it, please? Of course, unless our guest wants to do the (coughs) honours. I thought not. So, the third person factor, or third man factor, is where someone, usually in a situation of crisis or emergency, thinks they've met a presence or spirit. It's usually a comforting and helpful experience, and some religious people who've experienced this phenomenon say it's like having a guardian angel with them. An emergency? Do you mean like when you can't find the one last Lego piece you need to finish your Millennium Falcon that it's taken you two months to build? No, Tiernan, like a real emergency, like being lost in a jungle or trapped in a cave. It's usually when people are in a very tricky spot, 
And then they survive, sometimes almost miraculously. Well, you've clearly never had a Lego emergency before, and wow, it shows. This week it's up to you, Chief Detectives, to decide whether the third-person factor is a real unseen force that helps people or if there's a more reasonable explanation. How about you tell our listeners the evidence? Well, of course. I've got to do my job or I'll become the third wheel on this show. First piece of evidence. The best place to start with our first piece of evidence is the account that gave this phenomenon its name. Well, sort of. In 1914, Sir Ernest Shackleton, a famous explorer, led an expedition to the Antarctic. But it was a risky trip, and the ship they travelled on, the Endurance, became stranded in pack ice before sinking. For survival, Shackleton had his crew march for miles through snow and over mountains to get to safety. During one particular part of this very tricky and dangerous trip, Shackleton and two of his most trusted colleagues, the captain of the Endurance, Frank Worsley, and second officer Tom Crean, set off alone to try and find help. This meant climbing over mountains and going through a freezing waterfall. The three of them survived against the odds and found help, which led to the rescue of the rest of their crew. But in Shackleton's book about the exploration, he wrote... During that long and racking march of 36 hours, it seemed to me often that we were four, not three. That is an amazing story, and it's incredible they survived such a dangerous journey. But even though Shackleton was a very respected explorer, I'm not sure we can take one person's account of what they thought they saw or felt during an extreme situation as evidence. But it's not just one person's account. Worsley and Crean's later writings also say they thought there was a mysterious fourth person travelling with them. And the experience inspired part of poet T.S. Eliot's poem, The Wasteland, which goes, Who is the third who walks always beside you? When I count, there are only you and I together. But when I look ahead up the white road, there is always another one walking beside you. Gliding wrapped in a brown mantle, hooded, I do not know whether a man or a woman, but who is that on the other side of you? And this is why it's known as the third man or third person factor. OK, OK, but this was in the early 20th century. People were a lot more superstitious back then. And as I said before, all three of those men had been through a traumatic and dangerous situation that they were lucky to survive. I'm not surprised they saw things. Being in the snow and cold for that long can cause a number of eye issues, including snow blindness, which is when your eyes start to hurt after being out in the snow for too long. So it might have been an illusion that they all saw. Yeah, all very good points, Athena, which might work if it wasn't for our second piece of evidence. Second piece of evidence. Which is the sheer number of accounts from people that have experienced something similar. The author, John Geiger, spoke to a large number of people who'd been through this peculiar occurrence for his book, The Third Man Factor, Surviving the Impossible. These included polar explorers in a similar situation to Shackleton, but also mountaineers like Reinhold Messner, who was the first person to climb Mount Everest all by himself. He was certain a mysterious figure led him out of an impossible situation. Frank Smythe, another mountaineer, was abandoned by his team and found himself a thousand feet short of the summit, deep in a snowstorm and losing oxygen. But he says someone helped him survive, and in fact he was so convinced this figure was real, he pulled out his rations, broke them in half and tried to offer it to them. 
He said... All the time that I was climbing alone, I had a strong feeling that I was accompanied by a second person. The feeling was so strong that it completely eliminated all loneliness I might otherwise have felt. Mountain climber Joe Simpson had a near-death experience in the Peruvian Andes in South America, and he said he remembered a voice helping guide him to the nearest base camp. This voice disappeared as soon as he was safe, and there were no signs anyone had been there with him at all. So, again, all very dangerous situations where this phenomenon could have been brought on by altitude, which is how high up they were, or the cold, or a number of factors. I knew you were going to say that, which is why I was about to say the list goes on and on and on, with some experiences in very different circumstances. Like, for example, Ron DeFrancesco, who was the last person out of the South Tower of the World Trade Centre in the 9-11 attacks. And he said that as he escaped through flames and falling debris, he was guided by an angel who told him which way to go. Oh, wow. Those are all gripping and incredible tales. But even though you say they are different situations, there is still one thing about them that is all the same. All these people were in life-threatening situations. Woodburn Heron was a psychologist who is someone who studies behaviour. He looked at what happens when people were left alone for long periods of time. He wrote that the third person factor was caused by the combination of pain, tiredness and being very alone. It's his belief that these things altogether cause their brains to see or hear things that weren't there. Well, that's all very sensible, Athena, but it's missing the key factor, which is piece of evidence number three. Third piece of evidence. In each of these cases, the third person is kind and helpful, sometimes even life-saving. If all these people really are just seeing things, why don't they see all sorts of different things, like flying elephants or an ice cream van or a superhero? Why do they all experience the same helpful spirit? Olaf Blanke is a cognitive neuroscientist. That means someone who researches how and why our brains work in certain ways. He ran scientific tests on people where he used sensors to trick their brain into seeing figures that weren't there. But the participants said the figures they saw or felt didn't actually do anything. By that, I mean they weren't warm or kind. In fact, the patient in Olaf Blanca's tests said that the figure they saw was quite creepy. So even if our brains can trick us into thinking someone is there, this doesn't explain how these invisible figures seem helpful and caring in emergency situations. Those are fascinating tests, but that was only one person. Olaf Blanke has conducted more since with different results, but yes, nothing explains the kindness of the third person. One theory that the author John Geiger had in his book is that it's a coping mechanism that we've developed. That means it's something our brains have learned to do during a difficult time to make us feel comforted that there is someone there. Brains are amazing, so that does sound possible, but I guess it's my turn to say, oh gosh, am I excited to turn the tables? Athena, where's the evidence for that theory? Unbelievable. And in fact, hearing you say that has panicked me so much, I'm surprised I didn't see a shadowy figure myself. But yes, you're right to say it. There isn't any evidence yet. But it is something that is still being researched. I have to say, I like the idea of someone being there for you when you need it. Oh Yeah, me too. And I think it's much nicer that you imagine someone who isn't there than ignore someone who is. Oh, definitely. 
I can't believe I've been here trapped in this cave now for two weeks. I may have survived the treacherous path and devastating weather to get here, but I just can't bear the cold much longer. I'm so, so hungry and goodness, I'm so lonely. Uh, excuse me, what? What is this? A vision? Perhaps I'm so tired, I'm seeing illusions. No, Stuart, it's me, Carol. Are you my guardian angel? No, I'm Carol. I told you before, I've been with you since we left from London. The voice is warm, comforting. Perhaps you will help me escape this dreaded fate and show me the way out. Yeah, it's over there. You know, the way we came in. And we've only been here for five minutes. Do you want some of this horrible lunch that you made or not? What is that? Can it be food? Morsels for me to eat? Oh, no, wait. They're just soggy sandwiches. Oh, I get it. You're ignoring me just because I said the sandwiches looked soggy before. Alas, I am alone again. What will I do? How will I survive? I said I'm sorry. I'll say it again. Sorry. (gasps) The vision again. Where did you go? Oh, good. Thank you. Hi, Stuart. This is silly, you know. This vision. You look like Carol, my dear friend Carol. Come to save me from my doom. All it will take is for you to eat just one of my sandwiches and say how tasty it is. Yes, yes, I get the hint, okay. You're becoming clearer and clearer to me. I can hear you like you're right beside me. Well, mm. oh, they are actually they're quite tasty. <gasps> You know, despite looking very wet and soggy. I'm gone again, so cruel. Am I to be trapped here forever by myself? So, so cruel. I'll see you back at the car. This is the last time I'm agreeing to have a picnic with you. So, so cruel. (laughs) Ugh, yeah, that's much worse. Give me an invisible buddy any day. That may have been a sketch, but I also think it was a warning about being careful who you picnic with. For sure. And now it's time for our chief detectives to be careful in examining the evidence. That's right. Is a third-person factor real unseen beings helping those in need? Or all a clever brain trick to help them get through a difficult situation? Over to you, Tiernan, for the evidence recap. Evidence recap. The first piece of evidence is the account that sort of gave us the name of the phenomenon. Explorer Ernest Shackleton and his two companions insisted they had a fourth person helping them survive the difficult land that they had to cross. But all we have to go on is their written accounts and people were more superstitious in the early 1900s when it happened. That means they often believed in magic, chance or holy powers. Plus, they were in extreme weather which may have made them see things that weren't there. Piece of evidence number two was that a lot of people had experienced hearing or seeing a helpful figure that wasn't there. Not just mountaineers or polar explorers. But they were all having a near-death experience, which means it could have been caused by a combination of the stress, tiredness and the pain they were going through. The third piece of evidence is that the figure is always kind, helpful and sometimes life-saving. Even in scientific tests, they can't make that happen. But research is still ongoing and they have proved that certain figures to the brain can make us see a shadowy figure. So theories suggest the third person factor is a survival trick from our brains. So now we're handing it over to you, Chief Detectives. What do you think? Are you a third person factor myth buster? Or a third person factor myth truster? We want to hear from you and what you think, and most importantly, which side you're on. Obviously mine though, right? Obviously not. 
they're on Team Buster with this one. Send us your voice notes and emails with an explanation of why you're a myth truster or a myth buster. Is a third person factor real or a trick of the mind? All you have to do is ask your grown-ups to help you email us your voice notes or thoughts to hello at bustortrust.com. Tell us your name, age, what you think all the evidence means and please, please make sure your grown-ups give us permission to use your voice notes or emails in our next episode. We won't always be able to use all of them. But we do love to hear them. And here are some thoughts from you lot, our chief detectives, on the last few episodes. Hi, I'm Lana. I'm age nine. And I'm a myth buster because bears could easily walk on two legs and they have big shaggy fur and they live in those areas. So it's way more likely to just be a bear. Ah, see, let's recap the evidence that Lana presented. Bears walk on two feet, like the Yeti was supposed to. Bears have lots of shiny fur, like the Yeti was supposed to. And it's a bear. That's the evidence. It was a bear. Lana, you are such a brilliant superfan. Thank you once again for listening to all the evidence. But what is it you and Athena have against bears? Honestly, I think bears need to be very worried about you two. Oh, and we've had an email from a listener. I'll read it out. Hello, my name is Grant and I am 10 years old and I am a myth buster on King Arthur because King Arthur was very popular back then and all those facts, I believe, were people trying to make a lot of money. Well, Grant, what a fantastic conclusion. You looked at all the evidence and you came to a pretty credible position. Well done, Grant. Well, actually, well done, Grant, as well, because you say you're a myth buster, but you also say King Arthur was very popular back then. Of course he was, because he was going around saving everybody's lives. What a champion. He definitely existed. Thanks, Grant. Ah, oh, thanks to all of you. We make a great team. And if you enjoyed the show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Amazon Music or wherever you listen to your podcasts for more great episodes. We love to hear what you think, so please do rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps more detectives to find Bust or Trust. We'll even read some of the reviews out on our show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for more Bust or Trust. Tiernan, is that a, a guest host still here? Oh, yes. They really enjoyed the episode and they've been advising me all the way through. Oh, have they? Well, as these third people are meant to be helpful and kind, any good suggestions? Oh, definitely. Uh, what was it you said again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Athena, they said the best way forward for this podcast is for you to give in and join Team Truster. Really? How convenient. Well, funnily enough, I can see a shadowy figure now, and they're telling me to ignore everything you say as you talk rubbish. Rude. Mine is definitely more polite than yours. Maybe you and me should go home and leave them to talk it out then. Great idea. Bye, third people. Bye-bye. Safe journey home.